Hey, everyone. Welcome to episode number 70 uh, of the Lift Free and Diet Hard podcast. And I'm your host, Andrew Coates. And I have a titan, and I mean a titan quite literally, of both the fitness industry, but also the powerlifting world in Chris Duffin on as a guest today. So Chris is someone who I recently got to spend some time with in Orlando, Florida at Raise the Bar Conference. He's one of the speakers. And wow, the audience was a lot of fun. And I'm hoping most people listening know who Chris is, but if not, well, he's the owner, founder of Kabuki Strength, which is a really cool, uh, I guess, training equipment and educational company, big brand across the world. And you also have a couple other cool projects. You uh, you have Built Fast Formula. It's a supplement company. You got to, I got to try some of your stuff when I was in Orlando. And uh, Barefoot Shoes. So you're, you're definitely an engineer, by, literally by education, along with that MBA and all these things that you're doing. So, uh, hell, you're the author of The Eagle and the Dragon, which is sort of a story of your, your life. That's a pretty wild one. And uh, again, I mentioned the MBA and the engineering degree. So uh, welcome on, man. It's great to have you, Chris. Thanks. I'm looking forward to having some good uh, conversation. So uh, yeah, that's quite a bit of uh, on the intro. But yeah, I think that's the, the value that I add is this a unique perspective to the industry being both a high level athlete, a background in engineering that then did a bunch of continuing ed in uh, uh, kinesiology, neurology, and uh, really kind of brought this different look and specialization in regards to biomechanics. And just the lens that I look at things uh, is, is quite a bit different due to like the pretty extensive background in all of those areas. Well, you, you hit on something there. And I mean, you, you go by the handle, the mad scientist for a reason, right? There's, there's definitely this, this mind. That comes yeah. Out. And the thing is, I didn't, I didn't create the handle, you know, that was uh, Stan efforting. Like it was, I think around the time I was launching Kabuki strength, I go down to fix some issues with him and this other uh, all-time world record holding bench presser at the time. I was helping them both rehab with some stuff and Stan jumps. He's just great in the camera. He's like, I'm here with the mad scientist, Chris Duffin. And he did this video. And then just after that, that's just, and so I'm like, you know what? That's, that's about as fitting as it can get, I guess. So yeah, here I am. Cause yeah, literally there's, you know, on the wall behind me is uh, some uh, awards for scientific innovation and patents and all that sort of jazz. Um, I don't know if this is a video or audio only, but, uh, <laughs> most, I, I mean, I really should put these things on YouTube, but I, I, you know, there's so much to do and it's hard to do it all. And it kind of goes into what I was you know, going to ask you about. It's like with, with all these different companies you're involved in and every, you are someone who definitely has more opportunities knocking on your door than you could ever possibly engage with. What's the value system, the criteria and the way that you decide how to allocate your time, what you say yes to, and what you say no to. Yeah, uh, people are surprised I say no to a lot of things um, quite repeatedly. And for me, it's all about scaling the things that I believe in and that are part of my life and that have allowed me to, they, they all fit this common philosophy and themes. Um, now, those areas may be substantially different, but I uh, uh, people come to me with product ideas all the time because hey, who's releasing new and innovative shit? Well, Kabuki Strength. So uh, if it's not the norm, we're going to take it to Kabuki. And I say, that's a great idea. It's probably going to do well in the market. And they're like, so you're going to make it? And I'm like, no, I'm not. Well, why not? Well, I'm not interested in just making something because it's going to be successful. I need to make things that 
align with and fit, you know, the principles that I believe in, right? And the the biggest thing with saying yes to opportunities, if somebody looks, if you look at each individual opportunity on its own, and that's your decision maker, I think that that you're lost, because there are a lot of great things. So it's, how do you want to live? And what do you want to do? And what do you want to have happen in this world, right? So, you know, the story with Barefoot, Uh, Barefoot is a shoe company, minimalist shoe company. And there's a number of shoe companies out there. And I'd actually been training, I think, Barefoot uh, for six plus years at the time. Uh, No shoes, didn't really have any products to promote or anything. And I've been doing educational foot mechanics for maybe like, oh, quite some time. I've been doing that since 2010. And before that, years prior, I think the first like custom shoes that I tried, I made for myself were earlier 2000s, right? So I've been playing in this world for a long time. And these guys came to me and they said, hey, we want to send you you some free apparel. Can you wear it on your channel? I get that stuff all the time. No, (laughs) I have no interest in that. Uh, But it's free shirts. I'm like, no. So a few months rolls by, maybe six months, and they come back to me and they're like, wow, okay, now we understand. We didn't know who you were. We just saw you had a big following and thought it was an opportunity. And then since then, wow, we've been diving in and man, this, the stuff that you do is really having a huge impact on our lifting, our life, all this sorts of stuff. And like, we've got a sock. We want to, we want to sell a sock and we'll give you part of the company. If you, uh, if you, you know, endorse it. And I said, no, <laughs> I said, they're like, come on. I'm like, I'll tell you what, you send it to me. I like it. I'll endorse it. That's it. And they're like, well, it's, you know, it's built off of this, you know, philosophy. We call it, we want to call them barefoot something. I can't remember like B-A-R built off of your growing up in the wilderness mentality. Right. And uh, so we go back and forth. I must've told these guys to fuck off at least five different times. Right. And uh, finally they, they fly in from to Portland and uh, we start talking. I'm like, well, what do I want in my life? Well, I want to be associated with great people. I want to be associated with people that are driven. They've got discipline. They can adhere to things that they can believe in it. And uh, they show up and I said, you know what? I'm in, but we're making shoes. (laughs) (laughs) And, and so so now uh, we have a pretty damn successful shoe company. And so we're going to be transitioning into boots, uh, luxury shoes. Uh, it's pretty crazy. So we're, <clears throat> it's moved. We started in China uh, and then quickly saw supply chain issues, quality issues, which from my manufacturing background, I'm quite familiar with that and what it takes to, to that. So we end up being able to source and get into some very high end factories down in Mexico uh, that most people can't get into. And well, now all the big shoe companies are moving over there because the big issues in Southeast Asia and <clears throat> end up collaborating with the large, the, the most well-known men's luxury shoe designer potentially out there. His name is George Esquivel. His studio is out of LA. And he is this guy that does the custom shoes or boots for LeBron or the rock. It costs 10, $15,000 each. You go into a studio and it's got like on the shelf, like every freaking actor and 
musician's name, like shoes lined up going out the door. My wife laughs at me because, you know, she, she, she grew up with a lot of friends that are in the fashion world, <clears throat> went to school, you know, working on their brain. She's like, these people work their entire lives to sit down and, and be sitting in a meeting like you're doing right now. He's <laughs> like this. And, and anybody knows me, like, I don't, I'm, I'm not a fashionista, but what I wanted was, this was the gap that I'd seen forever was I believe in function first, but all the minimalist shoe brands out there, one, they weren't function first for anybody besides runners. And they didn't have any styling that matched anybody that wasn't well, a hippie, which is fine. I live in Portland, Oregon. Right. Uh, but the point being, there's a whole lot of the rest of the world around. Right. So how can we bring something that's function first with like a touch of like, real world, you know, fashion to it. Something that, you know, my friends would want to go, Hey, if you got a boot, I want to put that on and I'm going to go hunting and work in the shop or things of that nature. Right. And, you know, those people deserve good foot health too. So, so anyway, that's where that, uh, that started from, but it wasn't until it was a great opportunity. Like somebody was giving me a part of company all i had to do was say this and you know i told them to fuck off over and over and over again until i really understood how this aligned and fit um you know and how does it fit well it fits very well i mean when i look at the global prior you know the what's the most important in managing the body or assessment to movement number one comes around to spinal mechanics ability to control and manage I'm not saying lockdown ability to control and manage Second largest global priority in the body would be the foot and ankle complex and ability to learn how to, to, to strengthen, manage, control, and use that. And unfortunately, all the footwear out there is all about packaging it. Uh, it's somehow different than the whole fucking rest of the body, right? It's like, yeah, what do you wake up in the morning and you put on a belt as soon as you roll out of bed and wear it all day till you go to bed at night and wrap up your elbows, put on your elbow sleeves and embraces in the morning and wear them all day. What happens? Like, yeah, if your elbow is sore and you wrap it, it's going to give it a little chance for recovery. But if you wrap it for six, eight weeks, what's going to happen? It's going to get weak. It's going to atrophy. You're not going to, you're going to end up with pains there and somewhere and probably your shoulder and everywhere else in your body. And that's exactly what happens with modern footwear. Uh, so well, I'm going on a tangent on footwear, uh, but uh, it's a great story. And I mean, I like doing this once in a while when a, when a guest does something inadvertently. Everybody listening, and I'm, I'm, I've been sitting here quietly, listen to the way that Chris told that story about something that actually applied to the original question. There's a lot in there. It's why you're a compelling speaker and presenter on stage. And to get it, it let's, we can take this thing a little bit further. You know, In the decision-making criteria, me asking you to come on the podcast is an hour of your time. I want everybody listening to go, Chris is someone we sh you should be following, who you should be plugging into. Um, and, and an important note too, like we're, you're talking about all these things about feet and, and business, whatever. I barely alluded to the fact that you know, you're a record holding power lifter. So we're talking about what I think you're the only person to ever squat and deadlift 1000 pounds for reps. Is that still technically true? So I'm the only person to do it at all. At and all. I did it for reps. Yeah. So a handful of people have done one or the other. Uh, but nobody has demonstrated because what, what do I want to do? I want to walk the walk and teach the principles that I do. If that's number one, 
I need to know how to how to manage and control those resources and train it effectively. And how do I demonstrate that? How do I learn that, you know, we can read and we can practice and we can teach, but the ultimate learning is through the experiential side as well. It's this mix, right, of both research and do you can't until you experience something. And then when you're on the edges of what you're humanly capable of, when you're riding that line, you're on the edge of the cliff you can find out, you can learn so much faster. I can learn in a matter of days, weeks, sometimes even hours, what it may take me years or decades otherwise, because I wouldn't have the ability to sense and feel such subtle changes and how they, how they drive those changes, right? So, so there's multiple reasons I chose to do what I did. But, you know, I wanted to be able to do the two most basic human movement patterns that challenge the ability to control and manage the spine and do them showing that I'm not a specialist. I'm not a a squat specialist. I'm not a deadlift specialist. I did both. And so that was the, it wasn't to just, you know, lift some amazing weight and say, look at me, I'm so fucking strong. There was a whole lot of other pieces to that. And it's, where where kabuki uh strength and the equipment came from the equipment that you knew to achieve this at this point never before achieved thing didn't quite exist to specialize to get to that peak of uh, of performance so you engineered it i had to i had to invent i had to create the environment i had to develop the methodology i had to invent the tools that aligned with that because Usually these are distinctly separate things. It's like, oh, you've got coaching and education over here. And then you use this stuff, whatever's available, instead of like, here's what we believe in around loading and movement. And now when we look at things through that lens, what do we see as gaps in the industry? And what do we need to create to fill that, that the tools that are built around those same philosophies? And then all of a sudden things become glaringly obvious. And so... So yeah, I had to do that to do those things. And then that's the, the whole Kabuki strength is about scaling those things. And they work in all environments. It's not a power, people are like, oh, you're a powerlifting company. It's like, actually, I think we have <laughs> one powerlifting product. No, two, we've got a power bar and we've got a squat bar, right? Uh, but everything else is not, it's actually the opposite. Those are sport specific things. And, you know, I've got, yeah, yeah. We don't have a, a, a video here, but there's a poster behind me. Andrew can see it. Um, there's, uh, it's got every um, team that we work with in professional sports. And yes, we've got some uh, NHL uh, uh, winners. Uh, we've got 29 of 30 Major League Baseball teams on there. Yes, we've got the, yeah, we've got Blue, the Blue Jays on there. Great, great customer, uh, majors and minors. Um, we've got 90% of all professional sports in North America that we work with that we have every major college that you can think of plus hundreds more. If you turn on the TV and you watch your favorite action movie stars, they're probably using our stuff. Uh, Marvel studios is using, you know, they're they're they, They've got their stuff in the trailers, uh, seven bucks production, uh, the rock personally with like seven, uh, no, I think eight of our bars there, any location he trains at, it has to have one of our bars. They'll be next day aired there. Uh, so it's, uh, yeah, it, it, we're, we're a little outside of the scope of, of that. Why? Because 
This is about effective human movement. This is about getting the joints in the right position. So not just from the mechanical standpoint of like my engineering background, but also what happens when we do that and we get the right stacking and we get the neurological inputs to the body, which changes so many things. So it's a great story to kind of tell about that. I do uh, automotive and car analogies a lot, but well, for our Canadians, you know, you've got, uh, you've got the, a little bit of snow and ice on the roads than, than most. And so during the winter time, you're going around a corner and your traction control kicks in and everybody, a lot of people think that it's taking the power from the wheels that are slipping and puts it to the wheels that are gripping. And that's not the mechanism. So the mechanism is exactly, it's copied off of the human body because it's very similar. You've got a brain, the computer, we've got the wires running out and all the sensors in the car, the nervous system. We've got the powertrain, the muscles, and that connects to the to the ground to disperse the top uh, power through the, well, call them the shoes, right? Uh, the feet, the tires of the car. And so the, the vehicle senses that you're at risk of having an accident. You're on a unstable, it's out of control. So what does it do? It detunes the car. It reduces the power output of the engine and reduces the, the aggressiveness of the shift patterns of the transmission. And in some cars, we'll actually do the same thing with the suspension uh, as well to make it less, less crisp, less responsive because doing that reduces the risk of injury. And so with our bodies, the same thing happens except sometimes that will now put you in a position where you're feeling the aches and pains because we actually have, you know, muscles that are not the prime movers, the stabilizers kicking in to, to control. It's slightly changing joint position. It's doing these things that will cause you to one experience those sensations as well as that's why your mobility starts reducing because it's protecting that joint. It's protecting it from a risk of injury doesn't want that car to fly off the road and crash and for you to earn a fiery death. So, you know, if you're squatting like shit, you're going to start losing hip mobility. Right. Uh, and this is where it goes. So my, my story along this line is like, I'll take a product like the Cadillac bar. Uh, I mentioned a deal a lot with professional sports. So major league baseball, I know that about 80% of the strength coaches have bad shoulders. Like, they can't take a bar to their chest without pain. Just a history just happens to be that way in that sport. Not sure exactly why. I mean, uh, a lot of them, you know, have some baseball experience, which is can, kind of, can be very tough on that. And <clears throat> so the Cadillac bar is like a multi-grip bar. It's a, or a Swiss bar, whatever, football bar. They come up with a number of names. So the handles are off of 90 degrees and they allow the shoulder. So you're not fighting the bar to maintain uh, uh, the external, to get into external rotation, to get out of the hard, high internal rotation that a straight bar does while benching. And people are like, oh, it's going to be great for benching. But if you have any level of strength, you quickly find out it, it sucks. You take the bar out of the rack. It wants to crush your face. You come down to your chest, you touch your chest, it go, throws out of position, and it just doesn't deliver the results the way that it should. But for some reason, everybody's been making those bars since, what, 60s, 70s, somewhere in there. And they're all the same, okay? 
Now, if we employ a little bit of what we call playground physics into place, so we look at a teeter-totter, which is what the bar is. Center of axis, center of rotation, and center of mass are on the same plane, and the, uh, the balance point is 90 degrees to that. It's the teeter-totter, okay? And a teeter-totter will sit on one side or the other if you walk into a playground. Supposedly, it can balance, right? There is a there is a balance point. Well, that balance point is infinitely perfect, which means it'll ever, it doesn't actually really exist. And that is a football bar, induced instability at all times. Now, if we do something like put a beautiful arc into that bar and put the center of mass below the center of rotation, like a swing, you walk into a playground and the swing is sitting in the bottom position, it'll automatically find stability. Center of mass is below center of rotation. Seems minor. Now, the handle position, you'll notice instead of every handle being the same angle, they're all slightly different. It's about two and a half, three degrees each one. Uh, because the wider you go, it's going to change. You're going to have a little bit more, less external rot rotational bias the wider you go, or a little bit more external as you go closer, right? So each handle position is going to be slightly different to accommodate the variance in internal to external rotational bias, but still leaving just a little bit less left so that you can engage the lat as a stabilizer to connect the shoulder into, well, the core of the hip, which then drives to the foot, right? So we get this things that end up resulting in improving the mechanics of the joint Stacking that, which changes the neurological inputs. So here's the story. Over the course of three days, I go in to see strength coaches, two to three a day, and I present the prototype Cadillac bar. And as always, when I'm with Major League Baseball, it's them and their whole staff because they love us, love the show. I'm there doing my thing. And I'm like, here, let's try this bar. Oh, well, we don't do a lot of benching and... I can't bench, spend, you know, years, XX surgery, XX pain, can't take a bar out of my chest. I'm like, let's just try it. Okay. Put a plate on there. Bench it. Staff looks around, looking at each other, looking. Any pain? Oh, no, no pain. By the way, it's three inches greater range of motion. Every single coach over those three days went up and benched 225 for reps. Some were three reps, some were up to six reps. Every single one, every single one got up off that bench and said, I had no pain whatsoever with 225 pounds for reps for the first time in years when they couldn't take a straight bar to their chest without pain. Because we changed both the mechanics of the, of the lift as well as the neurological inputs, which changed everything going out. And that's what we talk about looking at things from a from the principles of how we move and how we load and what we can do. So now what can we do? Now we can be able to load more frequently with more volume. Let's take, let's say somebody without pain because they're going to recover better because we're getting the right neurological inputs. We're taking away the, we're taking away the things that cause stress that we can't adapt to the non-adaptive stress. So we're getting a greater 
one, a greater training effect, less residual stresses, which is going to reduce your injury. But also if you employ that with how you train and understanding now the impact on volume and intensity and, and frequency, you're going to get stronger. And we're doing it with what? Oh, we're putting the shoulder, actually the hand back behind the shoulder, which is where you actually need to develop power from in sports and athletics anyway, not after it's already out in front of you. Bam. Like that's fucking like, think about that. What does that deliver? And it's so simple. It's fucking playground physics. And, and nobody's decided to do something about it for 30 or 40 years. We just keep freaking copying the same thing because guess what? It sells. I can make one of those two. It sells. Yeah, I'm excited about the idea because, yeah, benching pisses off my shoulder. And guess what? I go with the football bar, right? And that thing is wobbly as hell. And it, it's a minor upgrade over the, the, the straight bars, which just don't minor. agree with my shoulder. But and it's just one of those things, years of lifting, what have you. But I mean, I, I know that one of my plan is I got to figure out what I'm going to shop for because there's a few things. I'd love to try a duffalo bar because the same shoulder thing doesn't feel great with like regular bars anymore to squat. I know that I need a squat bar for my clientele in my home basement gym, uh, my studio. And so I'm like, and the plus the bells that we were playing with in Florida, those things were cool. And I'm just like, I'm going to have a very big shopping bill with you know, spooky <laughs> stuff. But, you know, that's that's something I'm definitely going to get. Once into. you understand it, though, and, and it accommodates so rapidly. So the design concept is around being able to rapidly accommodate from one user's needs to a next. Hey, here are the different widths. We can still get the joints in the right position. Here's the transformer bar. We can literally manipulate a person's spinal mechanics, right? And the loading about the hip joint completely change how they move. We can take a handheld weight that nobody's done any innovation on forever and actually make it so that just a couple can do everything that a massive dumbbell set can do. And we can actually do more. We could load in range tissues that we wouldn't normally be able to load. We can change the strength curve of, of the movements. We can do variable loading with never stopping. So we're not like resetting a, a power block type thing, but in your movement. So your time under tension goes through the roof It completely reframes how you chain train. So um, I forgot where I was going to go with the, that. I'm getting on a, a tangent. Oh, so, but here's the thing. If you've used the football bar, what do you do? You walk up to the bar when you usually put wrist wraps on, cause it's going to be tough on your wrists. And then you choke up on one side of it on, on, on one side, because you know, as soon as you take it out of the rack, it's going to try to crush back to your face that direction. And that's one of the things that we have to train people on when they get the Cadillac bar is like, no, just grab it in the center and let it balance because we're so used to, we don't even realize how much we work around the equipment that we have out there, how many things that we put into place that we're just used to going, Oh, if you pick up a trap bar and you go to do a lunge, it's going to dive forward on you that you're going to have to position the manner to try to do a, a lunge or a rear leg that you can't do it, or just use another tool. There's like, there's a million little things that, that happen like that, that we just go, well, that's what you have to do. We don't even think about it. This is obviously going to be like, this, this is just mind blowing to think about these sort of things. And I think a lot of coaches are probably kind of going, wow, in awe of like not even thinking about this stuff. Ultimately, I, I think the best thing to do here is just to encourage people to explore more of your media 
your videos on these things, you know, if they get a chance to get in front of this equipment. Uh, I've worked, I've had uh, a chance to play with a transformer bar before, which is fantastic. And obviously, just following your media just to learn more. Yeah, about I, I feel like I've been doing a sales pitch here. And that's not my that's not my intent. Um, I'm just really passionate about what we do, because I know that we can bring change to the world for the better. And that's, that's why I do what I do. And that's, I made more money doing company turnarounds in aerospace and automotive manufacturing than I'll probably ever make doing this. Uh, but I wasn't doing what I was meant to do. And here's the message. And I hope everybody takes that from this. Even if some of that stuff, like the, the, the biomechanics of it, me gone a little, or the engineering of it went a little bit over your head. Just hear the passion about just how much you love what you're doing. I mean, that that's huge. And it goes into what we're talking about. And I guess I can take this a little further with something else I want to ask, which was analogous to my first question is, you know, how do you go about spending your time on the highest value tasks to accomplish all this stuff? And leverage your team and your resources to do the thing that maybe it's not the best use of your time, the stuff you don't enjoy as much, but ultimately to create the end product, the end experience. Yeah. So it's a, it's a pretty good one. And a lot of people think that I'm going to dive into time management type stuff or prioritization, things like that. And it really comes down to alignment, like really understanding what to say no to, what doesn't fit where you want to go, the mark that you want to live in this world. And so the, the word core values gets thrown around a bit much and I think misused uh, quite a bit, particularly in the corporate world where it's up on the fucking wall and nobody even knows what it, what was that? Let me go look and read it so I can tell you, uh, see what you're doing doesn't align with that thing up there. Performative. Um, now, that stuff is. Yeah. But, you know, it's, it's spending time really, there's a couple different ways to do this. So my favorite is walking through what I call the, the five whys. Well, it's not mine. That's, it's a, it's actually an engineering discipline of uh, troubleshooting um, and uh, problem solving, but you ask yourself the question, you get an answer and then you dive, you keep going deeper and deeper. And so with this process, you're trying to get to a thing, place where it's things that you can no longer have, but they are these more value-based words. Um, and so for me, that's going to be things like creativity, having a creative outlet, having challenge in my life, being, being able to be recognized for the accomplishments that I have to have a sense of family, community. Um, these are all uh, security. That's a big one for me. Security is one that I, I use in the, as an example because it's really common in hustle porn, entrepreneur porn type stuff to, to glorify this grind environment and you know, fuck what everybody wants. You want your, you want your Lambo and your mansion and, and uh, your, your jet or whatever the heck they're trying to sell for you, right? And that's fine to want those things. But the better question I ask is why do you want those things? Because, you know, for me, if I dive down and I go, man, that's, you know, I want those things. It's knowing that if I've got, you know, a nice house that I'm coming home to, that I've been successful and that I'm in a place that I can take care of my family. I can take care of my wife and myself and not have to worry about the environment that I grew up in, which was 
homeless in a tent in the wilderness, freaking foraging for mushrooms and fishing and uh, fighting off uh, murderers and serial killers. And I'm not fucking joking. Read my book. Um, And if you don't understand that, what you can do is go, I want those things. And you grind yourself to death trying to get there. And maybe that's counter to a goal or you over leverage yourself to do it. And now you've worked the opposite of security, right? And so you're sitting there with these things and you're going, I'm so unhappy. Why am I unhappy? And, and so this is the important thing. And then it is also to, to understand your definition of yourself, to understand that maybe I want to be, because the same thing, you could be asking the same question around, why do I want to be a surgeon? Why do I want to be a lawyer? Why do I want to play in the NFL? Why do you want those things? Because if you get there and that's your definition of yourself, that may be getting taken sometime. Uh, what's that movie where, uh, you know, the surgeon like destroys his hands and basically uh, some superpowers come into place. What's that? That's Dr. Strange. Yeah. Yeah. Dr. Strange. Right. But, or uh, a million different reasons you could lose whatever it is. And we see this, I talk about it a lot uh, professional athletics where people get the end of their career and they lose the who, how they define themselves. They retire and not all, but a large percentage fall into depression, alcoholism, drug addiction, all these sorts of things, because they didn't know why they were, they couldn't take that focus and shift it into another thing. Hey, I said, when I'm done after I squat a thousand pounds and I deadlift a thousand pounds, I'm done lifting heavy. And every now, no, you're not. What's the next thing? What's the next grand goals? Now, I accomplished that after 30 plus years of lifting and five years of dedicated effort to it. And you, I can't tell you how all the things that went into it. But when I was done, I was done. And people are like, well, but how? How do you just walk away? Well, I didn't. My next grand goal is to change the face of fitness and all the way through with this integration with clinical care. Like they're the same, they're expressions. You can change how you express your values in the world if you understand that. And that gives you tremendous amounts of freedom. And that is a powerful thing. Um, uh, John Berardi's book, uh, Changemaker, that's a really good one. And it's got a great list towards the center of a bunch of values. And his process is to you know, pit one against the other. This is my approach. I also go through uh, the achieving balance through chasing the extremes particularly a dichotomy of extremes. So picking the things that people would say are diametrically opposed, but you know, they're really things that you want to run and chase. You know, I don't know all of them, but I know that these are things, right? And if you do that, it's going to force you to cut shit from your life, to cut the things that are less important. And with that in mind, there's a, a process I have around prioritization of just like task and stuff, because so many people fill their lives with crap, especially when you're stressed out, you start making lists, knocking stuff out, getting it done. You know, where's my, we've got, we've got all our digital tools, but the old school is just making a, making a list and crossing those things out. And you know, what I did turnarounds, you know, it was like, I was always taking over for people. It wasn't that they didn't care or they didn't try or they didn't work hard. They did. And my process was to not do anything to start with. That's right. Not do anything because I'd get trained and you got to run all these reports. You got to do this. You got to have that 
meeting, you got to cover all, you know, it, it's like 15 million things of chasing your hair and then you don't have any time to do the real work of getting things done. Right. Or even think about what are the really things that need to happen for this business to, you know, save itself from bankruptcy, save the people, whatever, whatever it is. And so <clears throat> this is related to a process, uh, um, another engineering process, uh, 5S, but literally you take everything from a workspace, remove it all that a person needs to do, perform their job. And then you slowly discover what is absolutely essential. And you bring that back and you put it there, like within hands reach, make it clear and easy. And you define it down to the, just these few tools and you start doing that. And then you'll start discovering the, the things that are way outliers. And you had all the tools there ready in your life. You're doing all this work, but like that should be an outlier and you should figure out how what's wrong with your process to make that go away. Um, so really rapidly, if you employ this life, you're going to find just empty the slate because you'll find that you fill so much activity and work with things that aren't of value and aren't aligned with where you want to go in life. And so you, you'll spend months, years, decades being busy with life, but never putting one foot in front of the next, moving towards what we call that North Star, which is those values, that way of life, that, that piece of the way that you need to be in this world. And that is, <clears throat> yeah, that's the, the slow dissertation there. Like really quickly, you'll find out, hey, I need to do, I need to do laundry. <laughs> like uh, you'll find these things that you have to do. That's, so step one is don't do anything. Step two, figure out once you've got to do, okay, if I have to do this, how can I automate this task? Simple world home analogy, you know, set up bill pay, things like that, right? And then the third one is, okay, here's the things. And these are the things that are not aligned with me doing something that's related to my values, right? So actually, I was doing this on a, a podcast the other day, I was talking about it in relation to like, uh, stretching. Okay. Well, if the relaxation, the meditation piece, that well-being for the mental health, all that is like, really, you enjoy that process. It fits well, do it. But if it doesn't, well, maybe you should look at the problems and faults in your training plan or your movement patterns and actually do less work in the gym because you're probably fucking up your training and doing too much <laughs> or you're moving ineffectively in a matter that's causing it. Cause guess what? Let's go back to the, the, the car analogy. Why are you losing mobility? It's not from squatting. It's from squatting like shit or squatting too much. And so you don't have to freaking stretch. Okay. If you move well and you have a good training plan, your mobility will not reduce. So don't freaking do this. So that means you're spending 45 minutes. You know, if you feel like I got to get to the gym, I'm too tight. I got to spend 45 minutes to do that. And then it's like, we have less time focused on your training, which is actually the thing that you really want to focus on. But also you're wasting time with your training because you are doing it poorly. Right. So you could take this a whole lot of different ways. Um, but we go, how do we band-aid this? Well, I'm doing that. So, you know, and then I got to add in some massage 
therapy. I've got to buy these extra tools and do some things on my off days. I got to book. And all of a sudden you've got 20 things that you're doing in massive amounts of hours and you haven't fucking fixed the problem with your process that you're squatting like fucking shit <laughs> or your training plan is crap, which is actually more 80% of the, uh, of the time is uh, based on the research, um, the, the, the actual issue. You know what? I, that's a beautiful analogy, not just for the training stuff, but also the work stuff too. I would love to let you loose and talk for two more hours because I can tell like, the enthusiasm bleeds through and I hope everybody listening hears it. But I got to get to Evolve to coach a client. Chris, you have an open invitation to come back anytime at all. Of course, you're a busy man and I appreciate the fact you took this time to come and chat with me. Um, I will be sometime over the course of this year allotting my budget for new equipment to some kabuki stuff because i'm actually really excited to play around with some of these things i got to figure out what will be my priorities uh and anyway anybody who's interested just check out the uh everything that you've got i guess kabuki strength would be one of the outlets where else do people find yeah you? so uh, go to uh go to chrisduffin.com c-h-r-i-s duffin like muffin but with a d okay go to chrisduffin.com and so on there just sign up for the email list uh, so, well, on that site, you'll see links to Kabuki Strength, Barefoot Athletics, Build Fast Formula. So those three companies, you'll see links to my social media. Uh, so that's all on there. If you sign up for the email list, you're going to get exclusive discounts to all of those, as well as the first uh, part of my book. Absolutely free. Well, uh, I'll have your email, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's a great way to get people connected with you on a deeper but no I, I i i give you the first part of the book uh there's a link for the audible there's a link to the amazon store all that stuff actually if you buy it on kabuki strength it's a signed copy by the way um so the second edition just came out and uh it's a bestseller in human psychology self-improvement all that sort of stuff so it's really using the story as a framework to teach some of these lessons and well, not all the lessons of uh, that'll be book number two, actually, uh, that's in works. So, um, but, uh, but yeah, uh, that's, that's going to be the easiest. I'd recommend, uh, recommend going that direction. Chris. And yeah, if you go to the build fest one, I'm actually starting up a, a little private discord server too. So invitations for people on the, uh, build fast email list should be getting those as well. Uh, which I'm going to be dropping some like cool private education and some of a uh, uh, more kind of gray area subject matter and other stuff on there. It'll be a nice little uh, outlet. So beautiful. Well, again, thank you so much. I really appreciate having you on for everybody listening. Go check out what Chris is doing. If you are finding my podcast for the first time, because you found it on Chris's media, well, scroll through the laundry list of guests I've had. I've had a lot of the industries who's who you go back to one of the last episodes of the old format, still on the same stream. You'll find Dr. John Berardi, who Chris mentioned uh, with his book change maker. So we had him on as a guest and yeah. Don is someone who's very choosy about how, where he allots his time and he lives by that principle. Yeah. So that's a, you know, uh, kudos to you. Uh, when I say, I say no to a lot, I say no to a lot of podcasts all the time. It's gotta be a reason. And I chose to, uh, to be on Andrews, uh, as one of the ones that uh, I made that exception for. And it means a lot. And when, you know, anybody listening, when you're, you're making asks of people, make sure that it's not a thinly veiled thing that benefits you where you're telling them, Oh, it's good for this person. I really want to make sure that getting to come on here is something that actually is valuable to each guest. So 
it means a lot to me if you guys go and check out what Chris is doing. And you know what? If you start checking out his equipment and turn around and read his book or get into the, the Built Fast uh, formula supplements, whatever part of what he's doing, if it changes your life for the better, then I know it's advancing Chris's mission, right? That is right. Exactly right. Thank you, my friend. Thank you, everyone listening. And uh, stay tuned for next week.